just finished recording episode one of the Soapbox Business Show with our first guest, Show Rust. Show is an award-winning senior designer, developer, and technologist based in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. He runs a company called Show.ai. And I mean, he's done work for some of the biggest companies in the world, Zach. Nike, Google, uh, Samsung, the United Nations, for God's sake. And he's won over 50 awards, South by Southwest. Uh, the Webbies, The One Show, and Presidential Scholar, just many more. The conversation circled around a lot of what Show's doing now with his AI-based uh, branding um, branding systems company, as well as his background growing up in Japan, his time at Interlochen and Art Center. Uh, interesting guy. I'm, I think he's a life hacker. I know he says it doesn't exist, so. <laughs> but we learned so much. I mean, we learned about how how to go through two to three uh, a book in two to three days. Uh, we learned about. I'm <laughs> how i'm trying that too how ai is just absolutely revolutionizing workflows for creatives and for businesses in general and what the future looks like because shows estimation this is the next disruptor along the way um interesting conversation i'm trying to figure out how to take that and make it practical for my business i think there's a lot to parse through here uh zach what were your takeaways from our combo with the show yeah, I mean, it was a very eye-opening conversation around how to use AI in the creative field. Um, and, you know, just trying to, you know, wrap your head around how much time that could actually save you. I mean, I, I was just thinking about uh, if you were able to harness the power of a tool like this, and let, let's say you have a, a team of 10 people, 20 people. I mean, look at how much time you just uh, opened up for them to focus on strategy, to focus on everything other than the, the very fine details of you know making things pi pixel perfect and being caught up in all of this minutia like that this tool just opens up so much time um and so much opportunity i think it's i think it's awesome i think i think it creates an opportunity in an entirely new business model that's going to um just make us very efficient and streamline a lot of processes uh, the way show sees it is that 90 percent of brands have similarities and there's a 10% special DNA, a lot like human DNA that is different. And if you can get that 10% squared away, the 90% can be streamlined through the use of tools like what he's developed. Yeah. All right, let's get into this conversation. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Soapbox Business Show, and we hope you enjoy the ride. All right, welcome to the first episode of the Soapbox Business Show. I'm your host, Mario Busto, alongside... Zachary, welcome. All right, guys, we've been wanting to do this for a while. We've talked about it as a business owner. Uh, I own a production company called 1992 Films. Uh, we feel like it's business wisdom. The lessons you learn, are it's very practical. It transcends industries. And honestly, we just think that you can learn a lot about the art of business through conversation. And that's why we wanted to start this. It's the heart of the show. And a couple of weeks ago, I'm part of a group called the Future Pro Group, uh, which is run by a guy named Chris Doe who our guest uh, is very familiar with. Yeah, and shout out to Chris. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, he starts talking about AI and starts talking about it in a way that is not the typical approach that you would that we usually hear in the media about AI. Usually it's kind of in a threatening tone about the tools and implications <laughs> of AI. But our guest here, I'm going to bring him in now. He is an award-winning senior designer, a developer, and technologist based currently out of Cape Girardeau, Missouri. He's worked with some of the biggest brands in the world, like Nike, Google, Samsung, Acura, Intel, many more that everybody else in the audience can just be like, wow, about you know? <laughs> <laughs> his work has uh, won over 50 awards, including the FWA, 
South by Southwest, The One Show, Webby Awards, ADAA, and Presidential Scholar. So let me bring him in with that intro, Show Rust. Welcome to thank, the show, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you guys about this stuff. Happy yeah. to have you. So I got to be honest, when I heard Chris's talk, I mean, my mind just started going crazy about the possibilities of how AI can just absolutely, I don't know, just revolutionize my workflow and production. And like the way he was talking about it, he was inspired, just so you know, because just humble flex here, brag or whatever. Like you had Chris Doe like revved up. I mean, if even if you go on LinkedIn <laughs> now, if you go on LinkedIn, almost every other post is a generative AI art piece right now. He's, yeah. going, he's going in on AI. So, so I want to give I'm you happy the to hear that. <laughs> he had Mario revved up too. I mean, right yeah, after yeah. that, he's blowing me up. You got to join the group. <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah. I'm telling Zach, like, hey, I just heard a call right now. Like, I want this guy to be our first guest on the show. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> and so you're here. But I want to open the floor to you. Um, we're going to have this show kind of divided in three sections. You know, intro off now. And I want to kind of just set the stage of, who you are, which, what kind of work you're doing now, and tell us a little bit about yourself. And then we'll get a little bit into the background and we'll take the show from there. So floor is your show. Yeah, so um, really excited to be on this first podcast with you guys. Uh, essentially, you know, I've been a designer for a long time, uh, working in production companies, agencies, you name it, even, even the United Nations and stuff like that. So kind of span the gamut between small production company to corporate to even government. Uh, yeah, four years ago, uh, you would have found me at BCG, their digital ventures division. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like the skunk works division of BCG. If you're familiar with BCG, they're like a big time consultants, you know, <laughs> okay. typically, you know, uh, trying to help companies just kind of refine their innovation process. Um, but I worked for a very specific division of that called digital ventures, mm -hmm. um, where we kind of launch these businesses left and right almost every six months. Uh, we would come up with the idea through an innovation phase. We would incubate that idea and we would take it to market. And that that even meant like building out the offices and hiring individuals and different things like that. In the rare occurrences, uh, BCG would even give the team some equity and stuff like that. So it's an interesting that's model. That's <laughs> so that's like, what, like an incubator, yeah. like a six month incubator for just um, crazy amount of startups, right? Yeah, yeah. But the difference between BCG Digital Ventures and then a typical startup is that um, these are ventures or startups that have been partnered with big corporations. So they have an un, like, <laughs> really unfair advantage in terms of resources, mm -hmm. distribution channels, and different things like that. Um, and we're helping them think more like a startup by essentially, um, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic, actually. You have six of us on our team, and you have six from the client's team. And we actually work together to come up with these ideas. Um, so the client not only gets the benefit of the output that we get, they get the benefit of being kind of embedded in an innovation process. So they can kind of take that home with them. Uh, so it, it was really fun. But at the same time, I, I felt like I always wanted to be able to do more, <laughs> to speak. Yeah. Uh, I, and, I always felt like kind of overwhelmed by all the things that we had to do in such a short amount of time. You know, you could probably kind of relate to this working at a production company. Yeah. It seems like the amount of, expectations customer expectations continue to like triple every year mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and yet the tools don't seem to be catching up until now <laughs> three three years ago i started noticing like a big trend in automation basically big tech companies um you know the the facebook shopify's google's of the world 
are already taking advantage of this beautiful power of AI to kind of make sense of their data, right? So they're able to make really good decisions um, with less risk. Um, and then this has become an interesting like uh, dynamic when it comes to like, okay, what does the future of entrepreneurship look like? If, yeah, <laughs> if the secret's absolutely. out, <laughs> if these corporations are kind of designed to squash you before you, you know, get to a scale where you're sustainable. Especially um, if they have that mindset that you're talking about, like in BCG, where it's, you know, it takes a long time to turn that ship as a, as a huge corporation. Yep. But if they're coming in with like, all right, we need to think about how to disrupt ourselves and be a part of it. You know, it's kind of like the best of both worlds. Like, how do you compete with that if a, if a huge company is thinking in that, in that yeah. way? Yeah, all, all, all the things that we were kind of taught to think as entrepreneurs, they they figured it out right now, right? Yeah. Like, they're, they're not stupid. They kind of saw the first round of disruption and they're like, okay, we're not going to let that happen <laughs> to us. Let's own the next round of disruption. And that happens through acquisition, but it also comes through like a certain form of bullying. <laughs> it's funny because I, I don't know who the clients that you worked with specifically were, but yeah. I, bet you, I bet you they were part they were the disruptors in the first wave in the in the early 2000s oh, yeah, yeah. and now they're like all right history repeats itself let's let's get ahead of the curve here <laughs> yeah it, it's it's amazing it's like it, innovation has become like a must now yeah and then that's that's essentially what we kind of help what we sell through our software is kind of uh suiting you up with an, a suit of armor of innovation helping you kind of make these decisions and then providing the tools that uh, the big tech companies have Except <clears throat> what they have is um, something that is uh, what I would say requires more expertise and more resources because they're talking about managing like 20, 30, 30 pieces of technology and combining them to, together to create the monster that they have. Yeah. Now, these smaller companies can't do that. And so we've looked into kind of simplifying that model. Yeah. Well, I think that gives us a good basis in here to what to get started because the little of what I know about the company you're running now, which is also called after after yourself, right? It's called yeah, Show. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, okay. One of the troubles of finding a good domain, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. Well, it's a it's a dope domain, let me say. I mean, I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, but it sounds like BCG was the perfect launchpad for you to get it, like to kind of incubate the idea of what you're doing now, of just like that entire oh. process. So, yeah. without talking more about that, because we'll get more into that, I want to talk a little yeah. bit more about how you got here. And I've heard that, you know, you started more in the, like, you're still in the arts and the creative side, but all of that had to come from somewhere. And um, I was listening to your first episode of the Brand System Podcast with Shout yeah. Out and subscribe to, to them. Show will plug it at the end. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah, the science of brand systems. Yeah. <laughs> were, were you, did you live most of your childhood in Japan or were you raised in the States mainly? I, I did until I was, until about sixth grade, I was okay. in Japan. And then so it was, it was kind of funny, you know, growing, growing up, I would tell my dad, like, hey, I don't do ABCs. Like I was <laughs> I was like, one language is enough. I'm already confused, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to manage all these different things. Was, um, but was yeah. Japanese your first language or, or it, it was? Yeah, it, it was my primary first language. Yeah, okay. I, I would still wow. say that, like, you know, having my my dad be American, you know, I, I was kind of mixed from the day one. Okay. But growing up in Japan, having Japanese friends, you I went to like a, a Buddhist monk, like preschool and stuff like that, where uh -huh. we didn't even wear shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Culture shock over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did uh, you uh, did you find like how does that how did that experience compare to because you came over here around twelve? That's what I was listening to yeah, in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. How did how was that culture shock for you? Because you know I I can't imagine. I mean I love Japan. I've never been there myself, but you know 
Oh, you on, have to on go. You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on YouTube, you'll see a bunch of vloggers who like live over there. And it's just like, it's so different, but beautiful and just uh, very minimal. I, I feel like the style is, is like very minimal and organized and everything is just uh, there. So I kind of wanted to hear from you, like, how does that compare? And do you find anything from your childhood kind of still has rubbed off in inspiration design wise or creatively for yourself? Oh, big time. I would say that it, it would be hard to be, um, you couldn't separate me from Japan in my childhood. And like, yeah. the, what kind of drove me initially to be creative. Um, a lot of times, like, you know, you look at Japanese movies and anime and different things like that. And you wonder, like, wow, like, how do they come up with all of these kind of unique characters, scenarios and different things like that? Um, and then you realize you could just kind of walk around Japan and you can mm -hmm. find these individuals. Um, there's a there's a strong respect for the craft and the artistry, um, and then it's more of a uh, like um, it's a, it's more of like a uh, appreciated like discipline like martial arts in a way in the way you approach mm -hmm. it. Um, so that was always really beneficial for me. I, I'm really good friends with a lot of amazing artists in Kyoto, like mm -hmm. um, ukiyo-e artists, um, printmaking, uh, ceramics even like beautiful old fans. Um, uh, and that has been a huge influence on me, just seeing how they go through their day, how what their morning routine is like to essentially get themselves into that creative space um, consistently. Uh, and it isn't like, you know, four screens and one's got Netflix on the side and you're listening to YouTube and you always have a podcast going on or something like that. It's, it's really like, I mean, they are doing their art and breathing and nothing else. <laughs> yeah. And then that, that focus has um, been kind of a key aspect of what I think has been allowing me to be a little bit successful in this field. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting that you say that because in the States, I think for most people who don't know about the arts or, or are professionals in creative fields, they think the arts are more abstract. Like you're kind of just throwing darts at the wall. But in reality, it's more, it's a honed discipline, you know, to be great at anything. It's, it's the same way that they would approach, you know, studying medicine or studying law or studying something that's a, a more specific kind of tangible thing for, for an outsider. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think Japan is unique in that, that there are these little, because it's everything you mentioned there, the Kyoto artists that you mentioned, you yep. mentioned like ceramics, I, you mentioned a couple of others, but those are specific sub, almost like subcategories of of a craft, right? Yes. And they're specifically yep. becoming masters at that. So that, that's really interesting. Yeah, like if you draw geishas, like you only mm -hmm. draw geishas and you use a certain medium, you always use a certain medium. They're very specific. Uh, like even um, the ukiyo-e artist that I mentioned, um, unfortunately he passed away recently, but um, he, he was like the last living like tr traditional ukiyo-e artist, like made his own pigments and different things like can that. You, can you explain a little bit of what, what, that, what that is? I've never yeah. heard that term before. Yeah. Of course. So ukiyo-e is uh, Japanese woodblock printing. Um, and then essentially what you do is you create a woodblock for each color. Um, you kind of align them like other woodblock printings and you, you, you create these beautiful pieces, right? And you've probably seen like a lot of traditional Japanese artwork. And you're like, oh, these beautiful lines, you know, uh, that's you typically all carve through wood. Um, so even like the hairlines you know, within a wow. millimeter, they'll cut four times. So <laughs> like amazing. this is these are lines that you can't see without like a precision camera. The, the funny part, um, the first time I met, I met Tachihara-san, when I came back to the States, um, you know, I really didn't know how famous he was, but I saw I saw him on TV and then they had like this. Um, like this high-powered uh, camera, kind of like 
zoomed in on what he was doing and mm -hmm. it's just astonishing and it's all so, handmade all handmade wow. um back in the day they used to have a person that just focuses on hair just focuses on the eyes so you have like an eye guy and they pass it along the woodblock print <laughs> wow. the next person does the hair um so he does all that but you can even think like back in the day it was even more specialized and then you can like it's kind of a beautiful thing um, that all of these artists were so in tune with each other that they were kind of working and behaving as one uh, to create this beautiful artwork. And that's something that you rarely see. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of art artists kind of like put their own ego into their artwork these days. <laughs> but I think, uh, I think we're seeing, I think we're kind of scratching the surface on something I've never realized before. Kind of Japan's like, cultural roots kind of like created the niche in terms yeah. of like you know that's that's pretty impressive as as being in production i fell in love with production through collaboration that the whole mm -hmm. collaborative process the idea of one person does this one person does this and all of these different moving parts come together to create this beautiful moving picture at the end that just captivates that's what got me into what i do today and that's what that's exactly what you're describing when you say you know remove the ego and you have somebody who's doing the eyes somebody who's doing this somebody's doing that and it's just a it's beautiful to see a bunch of moving parts or a bunch of different pieces come together for one thing so it's so much more fun to play play a sport with others you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like playing 100%. soccer by yourself you know you're gonna have fun shooting that ball <laughs> into the goal but it's it's a beautiful thing when you can kind of appreciate those goals with others uh, same thing with artwork if you can if you can kind of celebrate, hey, you know, we built this beautiful piece of artwork or we created this beautiful video or in our case, the software that's going to help all these people. Yeah. All right. So I want to ask you over. Was it over there that you first realized, OK, I like art and design like art because I figured design wasn't a word yet that you were kind of. No, no. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, you know, I got really deep into the art world. Mm -hmm. um yeah i had my artwork in carnegie hall and different things like that and then <laughs> there there was one month where i got over 20 awards and just art <laughs> wow uh, i a big part of that was um i had to give a shout out to interlock and arts academy it's a it's a boarding school for arts and they gave me a full ride to go there and it was really nice of them but it allowed me to spend, essentially spend uh you know five to eight hours a day on art compared to most people my age and that that's really different um the way i initially got the full ride if anyone's interested in like you know you have kids or something like that and you, you want to send them to school on a good path um was uh, i read every single book on art basically <laughs> <laughs> to the point where the library didn't have anymore and then i uh um i i also my my father would drop me off at the art museum on weekends and then i would sit there without music or anything else and i would just practice and learn from the masters i would set up my oil paintings and different things like that and then i would try to understand why they made the decisions that they did how old the, were you when this like interlocking was this a middle school or high school yeah so interlocking was junior year senior year and okay. then the two years prior to that i was spending a lot of time at the museum so 13 14 15 16 mm -hmm. i was spending every single weekend you know a couple hours uh just practicing and the beautiful part there was you know there's other artists there that were also giving me advice and different things like that i would take workshops um every once in a while I'd get like private lessons and different things yeah. um to that from people that were kind of inspired from seeing my work it, it was it was a beautiful time um i it, it, it's worth noting too just because we talked about that move when i was 12 years old and coming to the states that 
maybe partially the reason why I kind of had that time <laughs> was I was kind of shifted into a completely different culture. So like new mm -hmm. friends and new all, yeah. all these things, right? Trying to figure figure myself out and who I was. Um, and then that kind of manifested in art for me. Yeah. Interesting. So then I was just about to piggyback. I was going to say, it sounds like you found out from an early age, kind of very closely after you arrived to the States that art was your path that you didn't know maybe you weren't thinking about it necessarily as this is the way i'm going to make my living yeah but this is this is my interest this is where i'm spending the majority of my time so what yeah. was there with that being said was there an aha moment for you was there like a specific moment for yourself that you were so captivated by art or design maybe or maybe you have a more complicated word or term for it today that you yeah. just knew that this was the thing for you or where you wanted to spend your time um well, with with art, it was really my exposure to those fantastic artists and seeing that like, hey, this is beyond just kind of a fun hobby or different things like that. This is a lifestyle. And so art really kind of inspired me there. Um, design, uh, I, you know, a lot of people have the same story, but, mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, I was inspired really early on by, you know, the first gen iPod, Apple, Steve Jobs, and his keynotes, maybe even more his keynotes than even his products. Um, the way he kind of spoke to the product, to the benefits, um, there was kind of a magic to it. Uh, and essentially, my mission, and still to this day, is the same mission. It's been the same for since the last 15, 16 years, is to bring beauty and clarity to the world. Um, uh, typically clarity first. <laughs> it's hard to bring beauty into the world without, you know, some sort of understanding of the world first. <laughs> but once you have that understanding, you can bring a lot of beautiful action and beauty into the world. So that was kind of my goal. And I was doing that through art first. Um, what I realized was the impact would potentially be significantly higher through design. Um, so I kind of saw it as a kind of a next phase for me as, Oh, I through my artwork, I was able to have people feel this way or to think about something or um, experience this, you know, moment. Uh, I wanted I wanted to even do more. I, I wanted <laughs> I, I wanted to really, really, truly help people. And then I also really uh, um, I'm kind of uh, uh, sen sensitive to like the creative mind too. So I, I wanted to, uh, being a creative myself, I wanted to create a beautiful world for more, for people like myself who just love to create, you know, yeah. and then shouldn't have to like, and the, it'd be great if we lived in a future where, you know, people really appreciated that craft and different things like that. So I'm kind of building towards that through design, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I love your mission. That's the first time I've heard you, that you heard you say it like succinctly like that, Thank bringing you. the beauty and clarity to the world. And yeah. I think, you're kind of bridging the gap now because what field needs more clarity than how AI is going to come in into this? And <laughs> like it's, it's coming, it's inevitable, but what it's, does that mean? You know? Yeah. It's really scary. Like, yeah. I'm, uh, you know, you, you'd hope at its core that, that the human values are really put into place. And then that's what we kind of emphasize on here at, at our, at our company is honestly, the majority of, um the compass or the direction for the ai comes from the human yeah so we go through a discovery process to really like just like any like you guys do as well with your production companies and with your clients you know you go through a discovery process you truly understand what they're trying to accomplish so you yeah. can help them get there right but you need the map to understand kind of how to do those things and kind of set the compass so 
So you, we have experts on the, you know, on the team. And then we, we also consult with a lot of experts like yourself to kind of hone in these discovery questions. And so we can form that brand DNA. Once we have that, we can, get, we can supply that to the AI. And then now everything that the AI is creating is just an extension of that story. Giving like, guidance. Giving. Yeah. A, a really great way to th potentially think about it is more like a translator. You, you, you've had, you know, you give the AI your story, what you're trying to do. Now it just translates for like different target audiences that you're trying to reach or people that you're trying to reach. Um, it just makes it more and more relevant and tailored to them and their messaging because it just is aware of more. So um, the easiest example of this is like, uh, my mission statement, if I wanted to share it with someone across the world in a different language, that'd be very difficult for me to do. However, I could do that with AI. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. We're going to go more into that. I don't want to, yeah. <laughs> we're going to go into that because now wanna, I want to yeah. shift gears. Um, was there, is there anybody in your family that kind of gave you the, an inspiration that works in anything similar to what you do? Yeah, so um, my, my family is actually in publishing. Okay. <laughs> so uh, if you're familiar with newspapers these, these days, they're not exactly doing fantastic. <laughs> yeah. um, and then so I've been trying to help along that path as well. And I, I really do believe in local journalism, and I hope that you know, uh, it flourishes very soon. I, I think it will um, as that kind of content becomes more valuable. But I would say that my, my father definitely had a really great eye. So he, he had... Um, bit of a design background, um, not necessarily an artist or a designer by trade, but more of you know a business guy by trade, I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I would mention that um, I I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have his feedback and his response. Um, like uh, I created a lot of artwork. You know, you can probably I, I give myself the credit for that. But in terms of understanding, you know what what was working, what was not working, and different things like that, and making it so each session of mine was productive. I really appreciate my father for giving me that feedback through the years, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, um, I, re I relate to that completely. My dad is my pretty much everything consigliere, if you ever watched The Godfather. But uh, I had to pretty, see The Godfather. I need to see it, though. <laughs> got to, top, of your, top of your list. You got to okay. watch it. Well, yeah. he's all, he's not in a creative field. He has an, he's in the automotive industry, but just innately has a creative eye for different things. And I can just show him something, a project I'm working on and I'll know what, like, I'm like, what do you think of this? And I'll know exactly kind of like what I'm having issues with. And he'll be like, I don't know about that. I'm like, how do you know? Like, <laughs> what is this? You, but, uh, you need those, you need those people that will give you honest feedback without yeah. hurting your feelings. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not to say he doesn't hurt my feelings sometimes, yeah. and sometimes it feels like tough love, but most of the times it's it's support, you know. And then, yeah. um, especially with creative work, it's so common for your friends or for people to just pat you on the back and say, "Oh, you're doing amazing." Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's really difficult because you walk out to, into the world and you think, "Oh, my work is amazing," and then you get hit really hard. You put, yeah. you place your bets on it. You like basically say, "Hey." I'm going to behave in this world like my work is amazing now. Yeah. Um. So it must be something else. So you, yeah, yeah. yeah you <laughs> it kind of kinda throws you on the wrong path. You have to be a harsh yeah. critic of yourself, hand, hands down, because it is tough. It's it's not your friend's not, first inclination is not to be like, "Hey, man, this isn't working." Like that's yeah. that's a tough thing to to do. It but, is. Uh, it is. It's like the. It's honestly like the easy answer for them, right? Because they don't want to mm -hmm. have like some sort of weird conflictual. 
situation yes. with you like yes. oh yeah show doesn't like my artwork because <laughs> yeah. you know and then then there's the flip side that you can't take everyone's opinion too seriously because you know you gotta That's like true. kind of you have to kind of pref um qualify yeah. qualify opinions sometimes it's, it's, um, it's very true <laughs> i'd be remiss if i didn't bridge the gap here because we're talking about the creative fields but ultimately you have built companies and you have yes. uh and you're seeing the creative field from another perspective which is that of the business owner what was your first venture starting off as an entrepreneur like what was that first uh venture for you in your life yeah uh i'm it depends on how small the venture is i, I mean like i i, I <laughs> take us back <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean i made t-shirts as early as when i was 12 um to to afford my first computer screen printed them right mm -hmm. uh it, it was fantastic. In one weekend, I racked in like five, six K. That's amazing. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. As, as a 12, 13 year old, you know, you're just, you're <laughs> feeling great. Yeah. Um, I created a website and stuff like that too. So it got me like quickly introduced to e-commerce and stuff like that. Um, but that was kind of like my first venture. And then I did a little bit of a wholesale deal with a, um, importer called Arias at the time. Um, but, uh, the real if we're talking about companies that still exist and stuff like that mm -hmm. my my first one was probably rareform back in college so i i started this company called rareform rareform.com uh along with my partner alec abadisian and uh ryan judy ryan was more than the cash um alex was more the business side mm -hmm. um yeah, great great sales guy you know you, you kind of need one of those you, i'm still looking for one too right now <laughs> uh but yeah he, he he really did teach me a whole lot. I mean, we did the whole pitch process together. Um, we were we created a beautiful product. We talked about so the product itself for people that don't know, we repurposed billboards into bags. We started off with surfboard bags Very made cool. in California um, and stuff like that. Um, we moved into duffels and wallets and different things like that. And he's been selling those products ever since. I'm, I'm and then he's been doing great. Uh, I, I I left that company uh, mostly just because. Um, I felt like my job was mostly done. <laughs> and then uh, my, my passion was less in soft goods, but actually brand building. Um, so now I'm building a brand building software. So I could just keep doing that for the rest of my life and helping people do that. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. I, I wanted to mention something because when you said you went to Interlochen, yeah. uh, you were doing art five to eight hours a day. Um, yeah. There's a Malcolm Gladwell book I've read called um, and Out hours. Yeah, Outliers. Oh, yeah um you're kind of like an example of that in terms of maybe i don't know if you hit ten thousand hours specifically but i think it's yeah. kind of like you know loosely based the number but oh uh, yeah yeah i i definitely hit ten thousand hours yeah <laughs> <laughs> just for clarification he's like i definitely hit ten thousand hours <laughs> not nine thousand ten um, um that was definitely a book i was reading at the time yeah and then so um i guess Another thing that was extremely beneficial for me at the time was I was probably consuming a book every two to three days. Wow, that's impressive. Um, uh, it mostly was the fact that I would do this trick where I would read the book, but I would also have the audible at 3x. I love that. So I'm just ripping through text. So if I speak quickly, it's because I've kind of been brainwashed through the years by listening to audible books at 3x. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to try that. I've always listened to audiobooks a bit quicker, but I haven't yeah. yet paired the audiobook with the reading. I'll it's, give it a shot. Tricky. The three the 3x is really like 2x is probably Hold more on. reasonable. Is this a life hack legitimate? Like you read the book and you had 3x going on at the same time while you're reading? Yeah, yeah. So 
I'm helps just, with retention, huh? Because you, you you can read faster than you can really hear. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the hearing just kind of supplements it. Um, if you hear by itself, three X is too fast. You you can't you can't do that. But for for me, I can skim really quickly while I'm reading, and then I just three X the text. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. That's I, I was really into uh, like Tim Ferriss and stuff like that back oh. in the day. I was reading like hacks on like how to read fast and stuff. I was like a big life hacker at the time. Now, <laughs> like I've I've gotten to the age where I realize you can't really hack life. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but at the time, you know, um, I convinced myself I could. So but I was doing everything I could. Yeah. It is hard to go back to normal speed when you start listening to stuff at 1.5x. Like I go on YouTube and I'm half the videos I'm watching. I have like a 1.5 <laughs> yeah. or 1.75 because every just, podcast I listen to yeah. same thing. It's always yeah. 1.5, 2x. Yeah. <laughs> All what right. can you do? It's, we're it's going to train our minds to just go in hyper speed. <laughs> uh, so I, sorry, go ahead, show. Oh, I started doing like meditation and stuff like that, just to like do the opposite, just to balance out mm -hmm. the. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like slowing down to reflect rather than just you know plowing through our head you know exactly um, i can't do the whole beauty part without the pulling back and doing the whole yeah. reflecting and clarity aspect i that's that's something that i still working on to this day is uh, oftentimes it's very easy for me to just jump into the work um mm -hmm. it's almost like less stressful uh than where like the clarity requires like me asking people tough questions and stuff like that. It's always more difficult. And then so I need to spend more time in that world. Yeah, slowing down a bit. It is like even in the morning you wake up and it's just kind of like the first thing in your mind is all the stuff left over from the previous day. Or you're looking at your phone exactly. You're catching up on Discord on, you know, on everything that that's there. And um, it's just so hard to kind of just stop and just do go for a walk. You take like a 30 minute walk and just kind of like assess everything going on. So or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But I, I'm so extremely guilty of that. Uh, I'm a bit of a roller coaster, so to speak, where um, eventually, you know, my body will fight back <laughs> and be like, hey, show you need a rest. So I'm going to put you in the hospital. <laughs> oh, yeah. So have you, has that literally happened to you that you've worked yourself to the point of like you have to go you have to go to the hospital for being exhaustion? Uh, it used to happen to me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> stress levels or like i don't know how, how however yeah. comfortable you feel talking about of course this, no i'd be, I'd be yeah. very happy to talk about it um so most m the biggest circumstances that was um when i was working in consulting mm -hmm. and then essen essentially what would happen would be uh um you know you have partners or leadership that are setting really ridiculous expectations mm -hmm. um through the customer and then um oftentimes when it comes to like this digital stuff um the team is not prepared. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, there were some, like there, there was one, one, tr one project where I was working through like Christmas and winter break because I was assigned to a project kind of there to kind of oversee it. And then once I got involved in the project, I realized no one on the project actually knew what they were supposed to build. Um, it was a design system. Mm. But they were like no one taught them what a design system was, and so they essentially wait. You know, they wasted a ton of time, nine, like a ridiculous amount of time. So I had to get the project back on track. Um, but uh, you know, this is this is not. Uh, I I you know, I would be too embarrassed to present not a design system <laughs> to the clients. <laughs> so the burden the fell on you. The burden eventually fell on me. So while people were still, you know, taking their breaks and enjoying their 
holidays and different things like that. I wasn't even initially part of the project. <laughs> yeah, wow. I, I was brought in and I was pushing, you know, ridiculous all nighters. And then uh, that's where like I, you know, you know, start thinking about, you know, I really need to get more on the leadership realm because the, mm -hmm. the partners and different things like that would just keep piling on. They're like, oh, this it's doing great now. Like show created all this work. Maybe he could do more. And then so they'll yeah. be like, hey, we have a presentation on Monday. You know, can you create like a product video for us over the weekend? I'll be like, I'm already doing all this. I'm pretty, putting a deck together and everything for you. And there's just there's a huge disconnect between leadership and the actual work that needed to get done. Mm -hmm. um, and then so because of that disconnect, uh, I often kind of threw myself on the grenade. Um, and then it, and I ended up needing uh, like, um, well, I, I would. Uh, the the other part too was like I'm I'm actually pretty good at doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I I know I can take certain proteins and different things like that. Uh, I can uh, caffeinate and different things like that to kind of keep me going. Yeah. Um, but I do push myself a little bit over the edge. Now it's been a while since I've been in the the hospital for anything like that. It's been like three or four years. Um, but there there was one year specifically where I think I was in there like two to three times. Wow. Uh, yeah. Just gotta... body body just giving out on me. Yeah. You know, I can relate in, in certain aspects, but I don't want to take away from, from anything. But I think in, in those experiences, and I want to kind of get your take on this, mm. uh, when you go through a process of building something or doing something and you're just like, this is what I love, but this is not the way to do it. And it's and it's like this kind of like realization of like, if it's like this, I don't want to do it like like this. Any, like, I can't do this yeah. forever. You can kind of like cast a vision out and be like, this is not sustainable. Well, definitely were, the, were those moments uh times where you were like if i ran if i run my own business it's not going to be like this like it's gonna it, it was that already kind of formulating in your head because yeah there, there was definitely a, a lot of that formulating um you know there, there was also a part of me that was just kind of like you know this is my navy seal like boot camp like this is <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i i need to go through the grind and different things like that um but you know 10 years in you're just like okay like the house sustainable <laughs> mm -hmm. how, how long can i keep grinding um at this level and then so you start thinking about you know a sustainable life and being able to create this work but also enjoying your life at the same time i, and I then, took it that way as well in yeah. terms of um if you if you didn't go through it you wouldn't know how to how to kind of build it yeah yeah you know you yeah. gotta you gotta go through that fire and kind of like almost drown in it in a way <laughs> where you're like not doing that again that's that's not happening yeah yeah <laughs> the the funny part is is that like i would say that you know after starting the company mm -hmm. you know it's it's still probably tougher uh <laughs> different but, different types of um a different yeah, type it, of responsibility it's a different type of responsibility. It's tougher, but it's a it's a toughness that you kind of enjoy. Yeah. Like it's not like a, um, these variables are coming out of nowhere. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like you're in control of the variables. Yeah. Um, like if you have anyone to get mad at, at it's yourself. And then so uh, it's a, it's a different. But that being said, you can get mad at yourself, and you have no one to kind of blame. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to take full responsibility for it all. Um, and then so there's there's definitely kind of pros and cons to it. And in some ways, like back then, I used to think about, you know, oh, how amazing it would be to be in a position I am now. And then now I sometimes think about how amazing of a position it would be to, go to back. be back then. <laughs> <laughs> and like have the expense count, have the healthcare, mm -hmm. like um, 
And then if I wanted to, I could, you know, be like some of the other employees and not care as much and just kind of like enjoy life, yeah. um, you know, but uh, that's just, unfortunately, that's just not who I am. I was going <laughs> to tell, I was gonna tell you, it's, <laughs> not me. That, that's, that's great. That's great. But if it's yeah. not you, it's not realistic. So exactly, oh. exactly. It's just, it would, it would never happen. Uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, when I was 16, I told people that I like to choose the hard path. Mm -hmm. um and it stayed true to this day um you know just like a video game you want the challenge otherwise it's just not fun yeah yeah you know i want to i want to take it back a little um to because we interlock in an arch center and yeah, yeah after interlocking but um for the creative path for the most part like if you want to be a lawyer if you want to be a pharmacist yeah. if you want to be a doctor it's like here's the path all right you're gonna do your four years <laughs> then you're gonna you gotta get into so, medical <laughs> school and now you, all right then you gotta do i think residency Yep. And, you know, and then you're like 35 and, and now you can be a doctor, you know, like, yeah, I yeah, think that's yeah. generally how it goes. Our pharmacist kind of the same thing, but yep. there's a path, you know, there's a path. And it's kind of like, if at 14, you're like, I'm going to be a doctor, you know, if you do X, Y, Z, you know, you will yep. be a doctor. Okay. Yeah. You can feel good about like, oh, I'm making like steps towards milestones. My goal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For the creative field. At least, I mean, specifically speaking, I'm, I feel like an outsider in the production yeah. world. I, I mean, I'm not in California, uh, film school reject. I mean, every aspect of just kind of like <laughs> I've been I've been chopping through the woods since I was like 15, you know, just trying Love to it. figure out like what's the next step. And for you, it seems like you did the same thing where maybe you weren't realizing it. But every single every single moment or hour that you spent was, I, you know, your dad dropped you off at the art museum and you were kind of steeped in that world. And then interlock and you're five to eight hours a day with art and then i want to talk about um art center you know yep. what what was it like was interlocking before it was before art center correct yeah, yeah. interlocking yeah. was before art center um mm -hmm. and then art center a uh, fantastic school um uh, if you guys are not familiar with it i actually um college I right? yeah college up. sorry i should i should clarify <laughs> i actually teach there on wednesday nights a class called future visions um it's essentially it's a way for me to kind of keep my mind a little sharp and like mm -hmm. also stay in touch with kind of like new trends and different things like that. Essentially in the class, you know, we go through new trends and help them come up with new innovative concepts for the future. Mm -hmm. um, and then Art Center for me after Interlochen um, was a no brainer. Like I, I visited uh, like the top 10 schools around the world. Um, and then Art Center was actually kind of my, my last visit um, because uh, they didn't give me the the full presidential scholar ride that the other schools mm -hmm. did. The other schools like flew me out and stuff like that. It was wild. <laughs> um, and then after visiting those schools, I was almost under the impression of, oh, I'm not going to go to college. This is not a good use of my time because mm -hmm. I was sitting in on those college courses and I was like, this is not commercially viable things that they're teaching. Um, when I went to Art Center, completely different, right? Mm -hmm. So every teacher mostly has like their own practice or like people like, like, so for example, Christo was one of my teachers. <laughs> That's awesome. So, Say no more. Say yeah, no more. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had people like Chris Doe, Doyle Young, who was like basically the last living typographic legend that we'll probably have. <laughs> uh, well, what was, can you repeat his name? Doyle Young. Um, I, I was lucky enough to actually um, be his last class before he passed away. Wow. Um, but Doyle Young, uh, uh, you should, you should definitely look up some of his artwork or his le um, letter forms um, and logos and different things like that, like Saks Fifth Avenue, just gorgeous, 
gorgeous work. Uh, and all through just like pencil and like just graphite on paper, right? But um, it, it's amazing um, his attention to detail, his understanding of the lines, just that the craft was just at a completely different level. And then so I was extremely fortunate to go to Art Center and learn from some of the great teachers like that. Um, uh, there's, there's so there's, there's so many over there. Uh, Brad Bartlett, yeah. Uh, Tom Tom Meredith. Uh, uh, there's there's a lot of fantastic teachers, but they're fantastic because they're not um, they're not sugarcoating things. They're 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 basically treating they're setting expectations like they would set for themselves, for their own customers, um, and oftentimes they're looking to potentially hire you too. So they're really testing you. <laughs> like um they, at they our sound company, more like mentors yeah they're they're more like mentors and then um and that, that that's where the uh the discipline comes in right that's where the quality of the work comes in because you basically get like this fatherly pressure from your teachers mm -hmm. that where you don't want to disappoint them if that makes sense yeah yeah so it was I mean, uh, when I went to school there, it was very common for me and my friends not to sleep two days out of the week. It was just something we did. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, uh, no matter what, Friday nights, we weren't sleeping, and Monday nights before this one class, we weren't sleeping. And then it was funny. I had one friend who would, uh, who would do this with us, but he would sleep through his class, and we were like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's... You it's... read the work, but you sleep through the class. I got to... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to say something. Your your experience at interlocking, the eleventh and twelfth grade uh, yeah. experience that you had, allowed you to come up with some realizations that most people don't have until they're getting to their like third year in college. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. you were you were really in a boot camp for what art center was, so that you made the most of the opportunities. That's that's incredible. Oh, big time! So when I got into art center, because I've already taken so many art classes, I tested out of like half of them. Um, so I double majored in illustration graphics. I did, um, I did cinematography. I did photography. Um, uh, I was really able to branch out and take all the courses that I wanted to. Like, even as a second term student, I was able to take the class of Doyle Young, even though he only taught seventh term and eighth term students, because I've already tested out of all the courses. That's amazing. Um, I also like um, all the technical stuff. I already knew and I knew better than the teachers because I would use, uh, I don't know if you guys remember Lynda.com. It got bought yes, by LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. So Linda actually used to be a teacher at Art Center. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I had access to Lynda.com. And then I would do the same thing with Linda that I did with Audible, right? I put it at 2x and I'd follow along on my computer. Mm -hmm. that, did, that did two things. One, I learned the program. And through the program, I learned about things like, the baseline grid and all these different tools that basically allowed designers to, to do what they do. But through the tool, I was able to understand its purpose. Um, and then two, because I was watching these lynda.com videos at 2x and following along on my computer, I was operating at two times the speed of most people. <laughs> <laughs> so I got really quick, um, extremely fast. And then, um, so while I was at Art Center, I was able to still freelance, I still had, I, I just my capacity for output was very high um show super high output <laughs> <laughs> you know we gotta i would love yeah. to stay here but let's keep moving forward yeah let's after, do it. after art center um and if you listen to the first episode of the brand systems podcast 
You'll yeah. see Show had a couple of op different opportunities leaving Art Center uh, for his first job option, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, can you walk us through those and then why you ultimately ended up choosing uh, BCG? And then I want to take this conversation into more of our our practical yeah. side of when you launched Show. Of course, of course. So um, that's a really tough decision, right? Because um, a lot of the other tech companies are, you know, the tech. Uh, so it's either consulting or tech, right? Yeah. Or even like. Um, I could even have joined my own startup Rareform at the time or different things like that. Um, and then like ran into the entrepreneurial route and different things. But uh, for the tech side, um, I, I knew that I would be part of a really big machine, that I'm not the only smart, like I wouldn't be the only smart person at these tech companies, <laughs> right? Um, so it's very likely that I'll get siloed very quickly. So it's, it would be hard for me to develop a uh, more of a bird's eye perspective on things and how things worked. I can, that was kind of my understanding. Even though the smoothies and the massages and the free classes would, would have been fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then I, I like the idea of like being able to live on a campus and different things like that. Um, I really wanted to see how things worked at the executive level at the biggest companies. So that was one thing. The, the other thing that was also um, really kind of pushed me towards uh, BCG at the time was that they're hyper aggressive. So even um, six months before I graduated and different things like that, they were coming and visiting me and offering me different things. Um, uh, the interview process was also very different, right? With with uh, with these tech companies, you typically I don't want to name anyone specific, but yeah. these tech companies, they specifically, uh, you know, you're just talking to seniors or leads, like basically the people that would be you'd be reporting to, but um, it, it doesn't really give you a really good understanding of what leadership's thinking, what they're doing. A BCG, on the other hand, uh, Digital Ventures, of course, um, they, I got to meet the CEO, I got to meet all the founding partners and different things like that. And they kept on like upping the ante. <laughs> uh, they basically said, whatever resources that you need to do your job, we'll give them to you. And to, the, to, to their credit, they did. Um, they really gave me uh, um, flexibility to do really almost anything that I wanted to. I, I was incredibly happy about um, how I was treated there. Uh, besides like, besides other coworkers, maybe and like a few partners that kind of pushed a little bit too hard. Mm -hmm. um, but I could have pushed back too. So I really, I, I have nothing bad to say about uh, BCG Digital Ventures. Yeah. I just kind of went a little bit extreme with it. Um, now, now it's a different world now. I, I would say that BCG Digital Ventures just got absorbed by BCG Digital. It's a, mm. uh, at the very beginning, it was kind of like that. Um, you know, if they started out of beach house, a more like uh, in, indie feel to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all we're flying around first class, like going <laughs> to these huge parties. We're like renting out huge clubs and stuff, and then we're um, launching new products left and right. Like it's just the excitement's everywhere. Now. Um, I think I think BCG uh, saw BCG Digital doing all those different things, and they're like, "Hold up, hold up! You guys are having a little too much fun over there." <laughs> they're like, "This uh, this is looking yeah. a little bit more like the social network building phase here." Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we've seen this play out before. Like yeah. we're gonna put the constraints on this. We were we were also able to charge like 10x what they were able to charge. Wow. So they're like, yeah. "Okay, we need to just absorb them into the rest of what we do," mm -hmm. and then but during that absorption process. Um, they've kind of killed that initial kind of entrepreneurial energy um, that that was there at the very beginning. But um, uh, I, <clears throat> you know, 
uh, I hope that they kind of figure that out. But that's can, kind of a roller coaster right now. Yeah. Can I ask you now, seeing that the landscape has changed, if you were show graduating art center today, what your yeah. choice would be in today's landscape for maybe the student out there who's listening? Ah, uh, for today, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it really depends on your your skill set. Now, if you have the stomach for it, I think startups are fun. It's great. It's a really great way to get exposure and then um, kind of a, the reality check. <laughs> like, I think it's 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 really hard to um, go to some of these extremely large companies that have all these safety safety our systems in place to protect you. Um, you're just not going to experience the same amount of growing pains, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, um, but <laughs> there's some people that are really not about the growing pains these days. There's like an entire culture of people that are kind of anti-work and then mm -hmm. that they just want a paycheck. They just want just enough to get going, but they really don't want to add any additional layer of stress yeah. to their lives. So for, for, for those people, startup life is a terrible idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so go with the big tech companies, you know, yeah. they, they will, um, they will cushion you and take I, really good care of you. Yeah. I think that's so spot on. Like if you have the self-awareness that you know that that's what you want, fantastic, but yeah. don't, ex don't expect the other side. Like don't expect the fruits of the, that come from the labor of like a startup, a successful startup that you're yeah. going to get from the more, you know, work-life balance, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. job yeah. there. All right. Yeah, the first five years at a big company like that, you're going to impress. You're going to make someone else look good. Yeah. 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 Let's get into the next part here. The practical. I would love to stay there for forever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. We're going to have to uh, do a follow up podcast. So, I think. Yeah, Absolutely. man. I'd love to. I'd love to do like a, a futurist follow up podcast. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Make a routine. Yeah. <laughs> well, we let's backtrack. You, you know, you started selling T-shirts. That was your first venture. Then it was yep. rare form. And let's, mm -hmm. let, let's just say like your time at BCG, I mean, you had several ventures because you're there like as an incubator, yeah. you know, doing all the roles and seeing all of the different moving parts of, of how to build a successful startup. And then you formulated the idea for show. I want to yeah. always call it show.ai because the domain just feels right. But let's just yeah. say it's show. What led, what led to that idea? Did you always know you were going in that direction? And um for in sure. the direction of owning your own company and uh, walk us through what show specializes in today and then we'll kind of get into the nitty-gritty of course of course so um really expanded from like feeling kind of overwhelmed from every six months getting a new client right and these would be like big companies like the biggest car manufacturer the biggest bank it was always like the biggest of whatever <laughs> and then i would have to build out these extremely intricate systems for them for this one financial institution that was one of our clients, who, who by the way, I found out owns 12% of the world's assets. So if you combine all the world's assets, including your own assets together, they own 12% of it. They're Oof. bank banks. Wow. Um, so that was one of my customers. And then for them, we needed to create a design system. Uh, but he, this was the trick. Uh, they wanted that design system applied to over 17,000 applications. So they have developed, they have like, hundreds if not thousands of developers that develop custom applications for all their customers now the customers are transacting billions of dollars so they'll like who cares like build them whatever they want right <laughs> but it, it it poses a really difficult design challenge you know how do you improve the ui and the ux and the branding of seventeen thousand separately developed applications some of these are on tables flash like you name it all over the place it was a huge disaster. So I, I, I created this entire system, um, this design system, right? 
it's it's really complex. It com it essentially combines uh, guidelines, assets, um, and like building components together. Uh, now, what I realized after building this thing was that this is one one. It's fan like it's fantastic. Everybody sh every company should have one, and then every tech company does right. But they also have like a couple hundred people managing it. Yeah. <laughs> but I also realized that. Um, like I can repurpose this for other ventures. So I started doing that and I'm realizing that 90% of the infrastructure that I was building was repurposable. So a lot of the UI patterns and best practices and different things like that can actually be conditionalized and like tailored to any brand very, very quickly. And that 10% tailoring process, so you know, kind of like human DNA, like brand mm -hmm. DNA, <laughs> that's that's those differentiating pieces. What we do here at Shodaria is we focus on trying to define find those as quick as possible. And then so we can apply that to a more robust infrastructure. Yeah. So I don't want to like, I, the last thing I wanted to do was start another project and start building something like this from scratch again. From zero. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From zero, right? <laughs> and then so I was like, that is a ridiculous, like that's a waste of my time. That's a waste of the client's money. This is not the way it should be done. The way it should be done is that there should be a shared infrastructure or framework that continues to develop and evolve as the world evolves. So if a new social platform comes in, you don't have mm -hmm. to you know, you, you generate new layouts and different things like that. It handles that. But then it is, it is tailored uh, to that customer using artificial intelligence. So I, ironically, like we are an AI company, but AI is a small part of it. It's like the mm -hmm. implementation discovery <clears throat> process to customize a really robust framework that allow your business to succeed and innovate. So you got essentially your your theory or way of thinking is that ninety percent of brands share a lot in common. Yes. Now whether we'll break it, go into like sub industries, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah. then your process comes in. Now we're not going to have to redo the ninety percent every new client that comes into the door. We yeah. have the ninety percent formulated, and we have this robust system that we've you know streamlined with the with the help of AI. And then now your process is to kind of do that 10% discovery of, okay, what's your positioning? What's your core? What makes you, you as a brand? Is this exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Interesting, interesting stuff. Okay. So did you have the background to go into AI like while you were working at BCG and were you already kind of building that system with, with some team, a team of people? What was your, yeah. what was your strategy to leave BCG and to become a profitable company? Did you, you know what was that process like? Of course. Um, well, I I'm not like a uh, like I didn't like specialize in AI in school mm -hmm. or different things like that, right? Um, but it's it's very much kind of a quickly emerging field. And then I did uh, I've been coding since I was very young, and then so I I generally understand you know how things work. I've also like in the past I've created like more machine learning projects where it's not like a neural network, um, but I was like. Uh, uh, like customer support type stuff, where like you would ask a, where I created a website where you ask a question and then it initiates like a video, and then we shot like a thousand videos, and then after they finished the video, there was kind of like a follow up, um, but those follow ups was really more like a series of conditionals that were very smart <laughs> than uh, some of the more advanced things that we're doing today. Now, today uh, we have um, we. So just kind of like full exposure on how we kind of use AI mm -hmm. is uh, we use a lot. Of, we have our own kind of layer, but we also utilize other sources as well. 
So our biggest source is um, OpenAI's API. We also use IBM. We also do AWS. Um, and we, we kind of serve as that, like, we'll, we'll always be on the lookout for the best thing to plug into our system. Mm -hmm. Now, the interesting thing is like, oh, like that's, you know, that's scary. Like, well, your customers can go directly to that AI <laughs> and then start generating this stuff. Well, that, that's, that's where our layer comes in, mm -hmm. is that if you go directly to that AI, um, you're, you're going to get junk. Essentially, uh, it's going to go on the internet and find the average of everything. Mm -hmm. um, we've trained our AI very specifically to create like quality stuff that has been kind of curated and trained by experts. So the AI fresh out of the box, those APIs out there, mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like getting a child. We've over the past three years, we trained that child on how to create beautiful brand systems through all the things that I've learned, things that some of my coworkers have learned working at Nike and Bugatti and doing amazing stuff over there too. Um, and we've kind of uh, added that additional layer. It's, let me if that makes sense. Yeah. Let me ask you, have you gone so far as to even subdivide that 90%? So let's say yeah. you have a system just for restaurants, you have a system just for fitness. Ah, yeah. and <laughs> is that is that part of that that system? Abs absolutely. So um, we kind of break it up into three ways right now. Um, essentially, we have like the, the corporate framework, we have the agency framework, and then we also have like the startup framework. Um, I think the corporate framework uh, comes with over a thousand pages of playbooks on how to execute on everything. <laughs> uh, the like you know, vendor billboards, even like how to put a logo on a plane, like everything. Right? <laughs> now the, the startups and different things like that, much smaller. So for startups, you know, we make sure you have all your social assets and your mission statement, and different things like that as well. Let, let uh, me ask you a question, show real quick, because I yeah. want to kind of like unpack what you're let me call it like your AI or your engine uh -huh. or, or mm -hmm. your, your yeah, yeah, of course. Are you creating, are you branding them from scratch sometimes, or are you taking an already mm -hmm. made brand and applying it to like the case of the bank that banks other banks yeah, yeah. Uh, in, into, because like what you mentioned earlier in the episode, yeah. a lot of times, and I, I'm friends with a lot of like brand strategists and whatnot, yep. you can do brand strategy, but here's the caveat. Unless you hire that brand strategist to stay on board after for a little bit, you're now stuck with all of those assets and all of these guidelines to now apply them to all of your touch points. Yes. So is that what your system specializes in, applying the brand to the touch points or creating the brand itself? So it's, it's a little bit of both. I yeah. would say that um, uh, we, we typically like to say that we help activate the brand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then so like uh, typically, you know, uh, we'd like to have the users that kind of have a pretty good sense of their brand, logos, typeface, and different things like that is, is helpful. You know, um, We kind of prefer that customer. But we also have kind of a discovery process for customers that have nothing. Um, and then so you'll, you'll find that it's actually not that dissimilar from um, what you would probably ask your customers. You probably go through questions. We go through 17 questions. Um, our, our questionnaire does cover more business related things. Tip, uh, uh, which is a little bit atypical in like a design brief, <laughs> but it it's because it, it helps us kind of generate assets and different things like that, or like campaigns or cold emails and different things. So mm -hmm. it's important for us to have the full spectrum of like our system will even kick out like business models, like lean canvases and balanced score sheets and stuff like that. Really intricate stuff that investors love, <laughs> but um, we need the data for. 
So you fill out those questions. It gives us the who, what, where, what, why, how. A little bit more complicated than that, but that's that's the general gist of it. And then uh, we're able to execute on it. But uh, to clarify it even further, like let's just say that you don't even have a logo. Mm -hmm. um, we had a customer recently where we used the AI to generate logos for them. It's amazing. Wow. Um, like for people that don't have mission statements or manifestos and different things like that. Um, we we had a girl that filled out our questionnaire in 10 minutes. And then after the 10 minutes, she had everything. That's incredible. So you have manifestos, you have time, you have values, you have personas, you have audience, you have uh, business models, you have your entire style guide, you have social media assets, you have banner ads after a 10 minute questionnaire. That's incredible. I want to I want to ask you because from launch till now, when you let yeah. us know when you founded uh, Show.ai. Yeah, 2018. What 2018. What has growth looked like for you? Did you did you start from, did you leave and have a client ready? Did you kind of start and have no clients? Like what was yeah. your approach to get off the ground, to have this system in place, but to also get business through that door? Yeah, it's really surprising that the first two years, you know, a big part of it is like, oh yeah, we're like, you know, we we know everything we know everything <laughs> this is all gonna work out and everything like it's it's amazing kind of looking back how little i did know <laughs> uh that that being said you know um early on we were kind of lucky to have a few customers to mm -hmm. kind of help validate our idea we started off really simple um we essentially we hacked wordpress cms into a rest api and we just generated a platform for ourselves to like start working with customers um Four to five five months in, we essentially validated the the model, right? We we're like, oh yeah, like it's this this hacked up solution is serving a value and people are willing to pay for it. You know, at the time, I think we got you know one customer to pay up to even nine thousand dollars a month for it. And so we were like, okay, cool, we validated it. Now let's actually build out like the proper system. So our our uh, system that we built back then, uh, the V one system still extremely state-of-the-art we think it might even still be the fastest cms on the market <laughs> wow uh, we all, all javascript like re really be beautiful interface great stuff um and we kind of built that out uh it took us now the one thing that we made a big mistake on with the v1 software is just not selling it early enough mm -hmm. so we built out like a customer advisory board and then essentially, you know, their job was to give us feedback on how to improve the product. But we took it, we took that as, um, you know, if we don't ad address these issues, we shouldn't like going to market and selling is a waste of time. So, <laughs> so it wasn't just you to start. Who who else joined you in the beginning? What were their roles? What what was your uh, role? Of course. Yeah, it's actually kind of a funny story. Um, you know. Even when I was thinking about starting the company, I had a little bit of cold feet. You know, I'm like living in Venice Beach. I got, yeah, I got yeah. pool and different things. Good, good, yeah. good time. <laughs> uh, I told my uh, my boss the idea, and then he was like, "You have, like, you need to go with this." Like, that's a that's a good boss right there. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, he was like, "BCG would be very happy to like take this in and reward you handsomely for it, but if you want, like." This is something that you should run with. So <clears throat> he, I got that advice from him. I also had some coworkers that I really, really respected. Mm -hmm. um, so like the best of the best at BCG that um, told me that they would leave the company and join me if I did this. Um, the following day, they told me to quit their job. 
So <laughs> follow through. <laughs> so That's the follow amazing. through was there. So my follow through was there as well. And then <laughs> so uh, essentially, um, you know, the, the company started with um, uh, my, myself, uh, Tyler Adams. Uh, we had this, uh, we had two devs and CTO from uh, our Tyler's more PM. We had developers from Paris. Um, so I think it was a four, four person team. Um, at the at the very initial start, and then get this: the company actually the, our first office was in my grandma's garage. So <laughs> I got people to move from Paris, the heart of Paris, heart of Portland, you know, uh, the heart of LA, um, making you know double six figures, like stu stupid salaries and healthcare, mm -hmm. living the life. And I convinced them to move in with my grandparents with me and, you know, start a company. And that's amazing. <laughs> in, the, in the middle of Missouri, of all places, you know, that's... if our reputation of Missouri wasn't bad enough. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, though? It is something beautiful about being in a place and building it and building it up because, I yeah. mean, Venice Beach is already on the map. You know, Calif you know, L.A. is on the map. Yeah, but, yeah. But Cape Girardeau is not, a, you know, it's not on the map for the at least. I didn't know. I had never heard of Cape Girardeau oh, until I looked up your your bio. It's so. far off the map, right? Yeah. Like um, Cape Girardeau, for like references, like if you've seen the show Ozarks, they mentioned Cape Girardeau mm -hmm. on the first episode. Ah, yeah. Now, <laughs> it's not that bad. We we have like we have uh, a college and two hospitals here and stuff like that, and we're t we're we're actually like two hours outside of the Ozarks, but you know, uh, kind of have that reputation a little bit. Um, a, a big part. Of, like there's starting to be a little bit of a community growing, you know, mm -hmm. there has to be, <laughs> there's, there's a few government incentives that are helping mm -hmm. with that too. And then, so there is a part of me that really does hope that I can kind of help um, build something out here as well. So even yeah. if we do build out a presence in Los Angeles and different things like that, that we build out a presence here as it's important I that I build out a presence here as well, build out customer support teams and different things like that. So um, people in the area in rural areas, um, have something to look forward to in the day and to to kind of inspire uh, the community to do more. I know even um, we've been here for three years. We've already inspired a lot of startups to move out here. Um, and then so we hope to continue ha to have a like a really positive impact on whatever community that we're involved in. Yeah. But it's it's not easy. You know, there's definitely more opportunities in the city um, in terms of like sales and like uh, Get, getting the skill sets that you need and retention and different things like that is definitely a lot easier in the city. But um, as I've stated before, I'm, I'm not about the easy path. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, there's, there's something kind of beautiful about to me about like, um, you know, my having some family legacy here and then being able to participate and help with that as well. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. I want to, I kind of want to bridge the gap here now to your start in the, the early 2000s. You, you're inspired by Apple. You're inspired by the innovative products released, like the iPhone, the iPod, yeah. uh, reverse order. I got that wrong. Yeah. But do you feel like you've finally gotten to the point in your life where you're now, you've combined art and you're also the builder? You know, you're you're on the cutting edge and you're and you're building towards a a future that doesn't doesn't quite exist yet. It's not you know, using AI is not for somebody who doesn't know how to talk to the to the machine, so to speak. Yeah. Um, do you, have you feel like you've uh, arrived at that place now uh, of where you were as a kid thinking about and being inspired by Steve Jobs up on his keynotes? Yeah, you know, um, 
You know, it's funny as, as a ki- as a kid when I looked up to Steve Jobs, I d- I don't know if I necessarily looked up to him as like I want to be him. Mm-hmm. I kind of looked up to him as like I want to work for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I in, in that sense, like I really had humble kind of like aspirations when I was younger. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I thought I would be like a creative director at like a top production company would be mm-hmm. like really cool. I like build stuff for a top production company. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so I, I definitely kind of surpassed that at this point. And then you think like, okay, so now you've definitely arrived. You surpassed like what you, <laughs> your childhood. <laughs> um, uh, partially there might be like a sense of like, uh, like a little some, something I'm still trying to figure out in my head where I'm constantly thinking like, oh, this is not enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I also feel like, you know, it's not necessarily that it's not enough, but that I'm trying to, contain the excitement for kind of being on the edge of being able to see more and understand Mm -hmm. more. And um, I think that there's still a lot of questions that I have around creativity and design and branding. And then this is a way to kind of like satiate my curiosity towards those questions. I also have a lot of of questions about like AI and its implications and different things like that. And then how it affect not just me, but my family and the people around me. And then I'd prefer to be on the forefront of those things. <laughs> so I want I, that. That was great. I wanted to ask you now kind of pushing forward. Now the conversation about AI that you just mentioned, yeah. where do you see AI complementing businesses in the future? How do you see it revolutionizing the workflows? I mean, you're doing it with brand yeah. designs, but where are you seeing some of the best use cases now for AI in terms of just practical practical use, injecting it into um, the workflow today? And you can use that as creatives or just in general, you know, yeah, selfishly, hey, let me know on the production side of, of how we can use it. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, th- I think you'll be surpri- surprised. Like, um, in a way, I, uh, you know, as a, I said I wanted to be a creative director, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to have like this team of people that can kind of help me and develop different things and complement my skill sets. I see AI as really being that future. Like um, in the same way that, you know, Tony Stark had Jarvis <laughs> mm-hmm. and then it allowed him to do all the things that he did. He wouldn't have been able to build Iron Man or build the other suits or test out these different color variations and different things like that if he was in there hand painting the suits himself. Uh, and this, in the same way, we see AI as kind of being like this magic wand for creatives of the future to allow them to be able to almost to see things that they couldn't see before, to, to visualize in a way that they, they've never visualized before so they can create more beautiful artwork. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about seeing like a huge boom. <laughs> there, there is going to be no excuse in the future for having an illegible billboard ad or like a menu, a menu, an ugly menu. Uh, these yeah. things are just going to be, um, it's going to be a much more beautiful world. Uh, I, I also see it where it allows people, like a lot of creatives who currently feel overwhelmed, to find the time to come up with more innovative and nuanced ideas. So um, uh, I think AI is going to take care of like the more kind of redundant, repetitive tasks that we've kind of already understand and establish like building a car or something like that <laughs> um, and, and allow those same builders to really thinking about okay what is that next car um, what how how can we make this more human you know mm. um, 
allows us to kind of open up space to find that clarity. Um, so be because of that being kind of an inevitable where people are going to have more time, I I'm, actually, I'm actually very um, excited about the future and what AI, AI can bring to the table. It's, it's kind of funny or ironic, you know, when you worked at BCG that you were hired to buy clients to essentially yeah. disrupt their current <laughs> processes, right? Yes, uh, yes. But they wanted to be the ones who owned the actual disruptor. Yes. To now create your own venture and kind of go to my question, do you think that AI tools like, you know, what you're, what you're using and... Um, others, countless others for different purposes. Do you think that that is now the new disruptor of like the 90s and the early 2000s? Is this the next, is this where it's going? Oh, oh big time, big time. I think it's gonna give a lot of people a ton of autonomy. It's gonna, um, like, <clears throat> if, you, if you wanted to start a coffee shop right now. Um, You're speaking Zach's language, by the way. Zach yeah, is oh, Zach, I, okay. I, I, I want to at some point. <laughs> okay, beautiful, beautiful. Also, also an aspiration of mine to have like a studio and a little coffee yeah, shop on the exactly. side, you know? Um, so let's say you want to start a coffee shop right now. It's, it's, it's really, really difficult to compete against like a Starbucks mm -hmm. <laughs> or, or something like that, right? Yeah. And then so like a lot of what, what some people do is that they buy into a Starbucks franchise. Um, and that Starbucks franchise gives them all of this, these assets and all these different things to basically execute on what they want to be able to do mm -hmm. without as much like worry, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, in the same way that kind of that franchise guidelines can give you that assistance, I, we mm -hmm. see like the future of AI being able to help a lot of these entrepreneurs and creatives to bring their vision into fruition. So the value comes a little bit less in um, how you execute and how you and more in like what you can visualize and then um, how you can visualize things in a way that isn't just relevant to you, but to others. And so you can kind of build a community. Um, people like language is going to be incredibly important. <laughs> yeah. Like being able to kind of craft these prop prompts and different things like that. And then the other interesting thing too, is that um, if you don't know the language, if you don't know how to talk to the AI about these certain things, it's not going to be that beneficial to you mm -hmm. <laughs> um, as, we're, as we're kind of facing right now. Um, so it's, I don't know if that answered your, your question. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it does in a way. I mean, I've, I've already started tinkering, tinkering around with like AI copywriting, our generation, like with Midjourney yes. and, and yeah, Dolly. Dolly, Dolly's yeah. fantastic. What, yeah. what, do you, what do you think of those? Let's go there and then we'll take it to the rapid fire. And uh, of course, I had, I had other questions about like pain points in business, but maybe you can get to that at the end of the episode. Oh, I, I'd, I'd be very happy to talk about There's There's so many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that might even be a podcast in itself. Like pain yeah, points I know, of, man, like, creative, I know. Creative work and businesses. Um, oh, sorry, what was the first question? The, the first question, question essentially, um, what are some of the best tools? Maybe we can actually maybe make uh, a, yeah, re Dolly a resource. And, for people um, after the episode, like what are some of the best tools to kind of get their feet wet um, uh, of course. Of in course. AI and stuff like that? So um, I really like the mid-journey community for people mm -hmm. that want to just get started. Mm -hmm. the, the reason why I like it is because on their Discord channel, they have prompts and they have like um, philosophy and they have like basically like a le level of training. You can also see what other people do as examples and kind of like, it feels more like a fun game that you can kind of experiment in. If you, like an artist studio, so to speak. Hmm. 
Um, <clears throat> and then mid-journey uh, is actually, I would say, better than um, Dolly in terms of creating aesthetically beautiful things. So they've created another layer where they train their data set on higher quality art material. Is my understanding, is my belief. I don't know, I'm making assumptions here. Dolly, on the other hand, they train their data on 90% of the internet, is my understanding. Mm. So, so if you ask for a picture of a beautiful drawing of a dinosaur, mid-journey <clears throat> is gonna find pictures of that artists have created. So their database is probably from like deviant art or like old art, you know, digital art collections and different things like that. Mm -hmm. um, Whereas Dali might be closer to the output that you get out of Google Images. <laughs> so now, it, yeah. with, with that being said, yeah. is Midjourney, is, is the AI engine itself creating an original piece? Is it taking pieces that it already exist? I mean, I, well, the way I imagine yeah. it is it's a, it's a funnel and it's pouring in thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of different images yeah. that fit the criteria of the prompt that you wrote. Yes. And, and then kind of, blending that into this into this vision so to speak exactly exactly so it basically it stemmed off this idea if you guys are really familiar with like when you google image search like a dog it yeah. finds all the pictures of the dog so there's an they created an ai classifier that looks for similar pixel like pixel matching and patterns it's like mm -hmm. oh this is a dog um now what they did with dolly and mid-journey last year was they reversed it they were like hey if we tell give the text to the ai it can find us the images, right? Mm -hmm. um, but instead of just finding us the images that match the pattern, use the pattern itself to generate new images. Um, so in many ways, it's actually behaving similarly to a, I said that weird, to a human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so like a human, as you go through life, you, you see a lot of dogs and then you start to get this vague idea of what a dog is. So if I asked you to draw a dog right now, you try to correlate some images. And then just as original as your artwork is, the AI is original too. It's doing the mm -hmm. same thing. It's not necessarily stealing the picture itself. It's saying, oh, I remember a dog has a tail. I, this yeah. may be a, a silly question, but let's say today's the first day of mid-journey. I'm the first person yeah. to ask you for a picture of a dog. Now we fast forward two years. There's been 2.5 million people have asked for a picture of a dog. Yeah. <laughs> does does mid-journey get better through repetition? Or like, is is that going to be yeah. better 2.5 million users later? Or is it all about what I what you type in the prompt? Like time doesn't make it better, so to speak. Yeah. Um, well. It's a really, really good question. I think most of the development in terms of improvements um, come with like new parameters. So like every release that they give out. So like, let's say that um, like last week, some, like something's big in the news and then everyone's making pictures of cats on the journey. Um, this, this week, it's not gonna create better pictures of cats really. Yeah. Um, it, now they are doing a few interesting things to provide like responses. Um, so within Midjourney, you can ask to upscale, or you can ask to you know, uh, get like a variation of a piece. So those are different ways of kind of validating a piece, right? Like you only want to upscale it if you liked it. Yeah. Or like in Dali, you can like save or or push. So um, essentially, what you're one thing that you are teaching the AI in that circumstance is you're saying, hey, when, when I answered this math question, I gave this answer, it was correct. 
So next time someone asks me a question like this, I'm going to give them more, more stuff like this. Um, so the, the, the answer to the question is a little complicated. It's like, it's both. Yeah. Um, most of the intelligence really comes from uh, the version releases. So like Dolly 1 versus Dolly 2. Dolly 2, yeah. You saw like, like Dolly 1 looked like, uh, you know, someone took a picture with your old cell phone or something. Like, <laughs> you know, when you first got like those flip phones and they're just yeah. trash images. And then Do Dolly 2 is actually quite compelling. Now, these, these progressions, expect them to accelerate. So within the next two to three months, you're going to see a huge update. Within the next six, six, six uh, after about six months, it's going to be a like mass news. Like people are actually going to start freaking out about it because it's going to start producing things like movies and stuff like that. That's and then, wow. it's coming. Yeah. In about a year, in a year or two, I would say you're, if you see some sort of creative work online, it's going to be like 50% 50, 50 chance that it might be AI. It's going to be that prevalent. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to flood the market. People don't realize like in, in a year, as soon as corporations kind of finish Embrace what it. they're setting up right now, mm -hmm. they're going to flood the market. And then when you think like, oh, I'm not getting ROI on my Facebook ads right now, good luck in a year. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I say good luck, but I say, um, yeah, just go onto our website, sign up, and we'll help you out. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, you know, that kind of, this is going to be the last question before we get yeah, into yeah. the rapid fire. Um, you do a lot at, at show.ai, right? So we do. we do too much, probably. <laughs> how many people would be in your just rough estimate? How many people would you need on your team if your engine didn't exist? If you were just a brand agency, of course, how many people yeah. would you need as compared to how many people you need now in terms of filling those roles and different the 90 like the 90% you said that those are people oh, who yeah, are yeah, yeah. doing that manually. It's right? kind of funny that <laughs> entire circle that you see there. That's mm -hmm. kind of like all the different people that you kind of need on your team to serve all the jobs that we do. Mm -hmm. And then so that becomes like that's a it's, it's basically our entire startup there. <laughs> yeah. So like you're going to have to get really good devs. You're going to have to get really good system engineer, designer, brand guy. And you're going to have to focus them on something that is not your core product or service. You know, um, yeah. VW, they don't create tires. They get Michelin tires. Mm -hmm. Like you do, Amazon, they don't. Like, I think they're investing in Rivian, but they're not like necessarily focused on building the trucks. Mm -hmm. A lot of these companies that we work with, right, they should be, if they have any skill set, if you have a designer on payroll that's costing you $175,000, don't have them working on business cards. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't have them like pixel pushing style guides and presentations. Don't have developers generating CSS for fonts and stuff like that. Have our system handle that stuff so that does, that same developer can work on like cool functionality. That same developer can work on like our designer can work on, oh, like what is our what is our next product release look like? You know, how, how do we innovate beyond AI? Um, yeah. and, and with these tools, would you say a smaller company can compete with the big boy? With the big yeah, boy yeah, companies yeah. there? So we're, we're actually like, that's kind of one of our special sauces. Is like whenever a company says, hey, like we're looking to raise funds and hyper growth and stuff like that, we're like, beautiful, perfect, because we'll make you look like a million bucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. uh, we'll make that's you look amazing. much bigger than you are, right? That's amazing. Um, it, it's, it's really beneficial. Um, uh, we, we even have bigger companies that launch like smaller sub brands, mm -hmm. um, but they'll, they'll be able to launch three over the weekend. 
and test them all. And when I say like one creative director can launch three brands with three websites, three social campaigns, mission statements, audience segments, taglines, before he gets on his plane. That's crazy powerful. While just chilling in the airport, you know. Yeah. It's a it's a different world. And then so like changer. Yeah, and in this 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 guy specifically like um he had to he had like a presentation for for a client or something like that and then the 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 um person putting together a presentation didn't get done in time so they decided to just generate three brands for their client using our system <laughs> and then they ran a bunch of analytics on it and then they showed it to the client the client was so happy from that you know that airport work that the guy mm -hmm. <laughs> did last second that ended up giving them multiple like seven figure deals is wild it's amazing um, you know that's a it's coming to disrupt I think that's the the key. It's it's coming to disrupt, and it's yeah. a matter of there's a lot of business models that are going to be uh, outdated within a year to two years. It sounds like in terms of, and not in a scary. I mean, if you can see it, if you can pr yeah. plan for it, you can get ahead of the curve, and you can be with it. But if yeah, you know, I find it more exciting than than I do the opposite because it frees up people to really. Uh, be paid for their minds and to strategize on things that they're not getting bogged down with on on the ninety percent rather than that really core ten percent. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a beautiful future. And then frankly, for you know younger entrepreneurs and creatives like ourselves, like it's 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 a way to get some of the resources not from the previous generations. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to I, unlock a little capital so that we can we can do some cool stuff ourselves. You know, I, I mean, I think yeah. of things through the prism of of what I'm as a storyteller of what I'm trying to accomplish, but you know, there's a million moving parts in production. So yes. what, yeah. how does AI tr revolutionize that in the coming year? I mean, and how to, how to be yeah. ahead of the curve and using that. Cause I was thinking about this yesterday. It's not going to be far before you have a complete animated movie generated Excellent. completely with mid journey art, whether you're, yeah. whether you are putting in all of your core characters, the world, the, the, the world building within mid journey. Yeah. I mean, your next, um, your next animated adventure movie is going to be completely world built on on an oh. AI art generative yeah. tool. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. It's and really then cool. you you could potentially be the main character. Like yeah, yeah. imagine imagine if uh, like when you know one of your favorite movies uh, like a superhero or something like that. And let's just say like pop let's you just in say there. like Harry Potter. Let's just put yeah. like uh yeah yeah like Harry Potter. You can be you can be Harry, and the AI will call you by your name. Right, um, you can really be embedded in the entire, entire situation. If your family's in the movie theater, like it can scan people in the audience and put them in the movie for fun so and amazing. giggles. Like um, the amount of tailored and relevant entertainment that's going to come through AI is unbelievable. Like a lot of people say, like, "Oh, AIs can't be creative." Um, well, I, well, one, like if you've already seen Mid Journey and stuff like that, and you still think that um, I. I, I challenge you to come up with better art in in 24 hours <laughs> than it than it does in a, in 30 seconds. It does in a second, right? And then using the same prompt. So, like, mm -hmm. imagine if someone gave you a prompt like some of the prompts that Mid Journey gets, and then you'd, go. you'd just like, go. <laughs> like, there's no like I can't create a piece from that yeah. silly sentence you gave me. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Mid Journey is like, here's this beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, and you're completely right with video and stuff like that. Uh, there's a really great video on YouTube you should check out uh, where they use kind of like AI generated music video. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so what they're doing there, they're kind of cheating the system. They're like, they're creating a bunch of imagery, I think, and they're like uh, uh, 
they're using another AI to kind of animate it and different things like that. Um, but it gives you a little bit of taste of like some of the things that it's capable of doing. So for example, uh, I have a lot of experience in motion. So like After Effects, Cinema 4D, I do all the renderings for our website and different things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I used to, I worked on Avengers back like 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I guess now. <laughs> yeah, just drop, just drop that in as like a, as a humble brag at the end yeah. of the episode. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know. Uh, I mean, Avengers. talk about branding, right? Like Disney, even back then, we were planning 12, 15 movies ahead of time. So when we were, when we launched Avengers, we already knew about the movies coming out today. Wow. Well, you know, I read Bob Iger's, uh, biography and oh, really so good, good of, of his um of his journey yeah. as ceo at disney and yeah they've had these these they've had these phases they call them of, of movies they had it through at the time of that he wrote that i think they said 2035 or something like that now it's got to be like 2060 who now, knows yeah th they're they are thinking light years ahead yeah. I, mean, yeah I mean i remember even this was this was back in like 2009 2010 era um we already were looking at like black panther assets and stuff like that yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Infinity game was already planned out and stuff like that too. So I com completely backtracked on the question. What was it? <laughs> um, I think we were just talking about just getting ahead of the curve and Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, just of yeah. uh, trying to, if you're a company, like how to make sure your business model is AI proof in terms of like, yet you're using this tool to help you rather and to compete yes. with larger yeah. companies, you know, because that's the thing is that you can, as a smaller, more flexible or fluid agency, you can compete with the big boys now if they're not moving. If they're doing a, a BCG uh, digital ventures type of thing, then good luck. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. but, if, but if they're not, good luck to them. And I think more will be disrupted than not, probably, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Because history just has a tendency of repeating itself. But I, yeah, um, I, I highly suggest everyone start like dabbling into it. There's also like easier access to things like uh, I think like Copy AI or Jasper, <clears throat> Jasper.ai and different things mm -hmm. like that. Um, from our tests, the the quality of the output and the responses aren't as good as like going directly to OpenAI. I think it's mm -hmm. because OpenAI has four tiers of um, AI specifically. Basically, they're like, hey, you pay more we will run more parameters. So the more parameters you run, the smarter it is. Mm. Um, now, since I just mentioned that, it is worth mentioning that Dolly, or not Dolly 3, or like the next version of a GPT-3, GPT-4, the general uh, language processing stuff, um, is supposed to have 500 times the, pro the parameters of GPT-3. Sheesh. Um, GPT-3 was launched like I think two two years ago or something like that. They've been working on GPT-4 for a while. I, I think that they're just trying to learn how to control it. But, <laughs> um, and then it's just too dangerous to release. But because of from some more pressure from Google DeepMind or other competitive services, they're going to have to release it if they want mm -hmm. to. Um, they're going to release it over the next coming months. And that's going to wow. have huge implications. And um, that that's just a, that's a different AI. Uh, yeah, engine. Yes. Wow. Yeah, they're different AI. And so, like, even today, I would argue that um, a lot of the copy that it produces under our guidelines, like with through our system, is already better than myself. Um, not that that's like a you know big deal. I'm a second language English speaker and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> but but like, if you keep in mind, like the amount of education that I've already received um, to produce another designer or business thinker like myself. Um, would be expensive, but 
that AI is already surpassing me, I believe. And then, um, and then next year, it'll, it'll, <laughs> it, it, I, I don't know how I'll, I'll be utilizing it, but I, you can pretty much guarantee that any kind of copy that I produce or I'll be talking to an AI about. Yeah. Wow. A- anything that I say, I'll probably be discussing with an AI about before first. E- really? Even when it comes to, um, like, my workouts are planned that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, last last year I actually used the AI as like a therapist, basically. <laughs> you plan explain it? Can can you? Because that's that's you know that's foreign to anybody. Yeah, who, yeah. Who's hearing that? Oh yeah. Like, how do you how do you design a workout? How do you get you know? How do you have a therapist type conversation? That's kind of like borderline like the movie Her a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Yeah, for sure. So um, you can actually log into our system, and then you can talk to an AI version of our brand, um, or an AI version of any brand that creates a system with us. Mm-hmm. So you can ask it for things like, "Hey, I need a cold email to launch our product for Thanksgiving for this audience," and I'll just boop. Uh, you'd be like, "Hey, I need a blog," or in my case, I could be like, "Hey, um, you know." This is some information about me. This is who I am. You can also read this information on this website here. Um, here, like, just start talking to it like a like a therapist. So, like, you couldn't ask the same question. Like, you know, even with a therapist or a designer or anything like that, anybody that's trying to help you, they're going to have to know about you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you give them that information. But the, funny enough, like, if you go through our brand discovery process for an individual, it's, <laughs> it's just so- as effective. It's very similar uh, to, I mean, it's it yeah. kind of overlaps with the business brand uh, discovery, you know? Yeah. We, we actually see a huge future where, like, um, we think that it's not going to be business, like, businesses. Like, five five years from now, most of our customers are going to just be single people, like, influencers or freelancers or uh, teachers. People are just trying to find out what their mission is, trying to kind of consolidate their lives, trying to get things together and trying to manage their digital ID, so to speak, their digital identity, and making social. sure that's consistent. Yeah, um, a, lot, a lot of social uh, content, a lot of social capital that they're building yeah. in terms of that. You think that's why uh, guys like Gary Vee or even Chris Doe, um, I mean, the future is very much revolved around because Chris is there. Yes, know? yes. Uh, and Gary yeah. Vee, you know, if, you, if you're familiar with like uh, Web3 and NFTs. Of and course, of course. Kind of stuff, we we actually are building an NFT generator right now. Really, you'll you'll see some uh, some V friend stuff up there. I'm not like big on V friends necessarily, but um, I love it. I like what he's supporting and all that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, I think he probably maybe you think he sees that that the five to ten years from now it's going to be about the person behind the business more so than the business itself. Yeah, I that's I think that's very very true. Um, <clears throat> uh just especially the speed of things are progressing like you kind of need like a captain <laughs> yeah uh so christo and gary v are are really smart about how they're approaching it right now mm-hmm. right um <laughs> uh to be frank with you that's partially what i'm trying to do as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> is to kind of build out a little bit of a personal brand to kind of help support Hopefully um, because, this podcast helps with that. We'll get you. Yeah, some, thank, you guys, yeah. thank you guys. Yeah, we'll, we'll do. We'll build our brands together. That'd be great. And we're um, and we're doing this. I mean, it's the same thing as same thing, as, exactly. we're, as yeah, brand yeah. builders ourselves. It's you have to create that. But sorry, I was interrupting you there. So can, no, 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 not at all. No, no. I, I I completely agree. Like we we all have to get there. And so, yeah. um, 
And in many ways, like content generation and the stuff that we're doing right now is like the future of advertisement. Mm-hmm. You know, 100%. like advertisements are going to slowly start um, dissipating a little bit more as blockchain makes it easier for like micropayments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like the quality of execution is going to be good across the board. So people are going to be more curious about like building relationships and stuff like that. And people. So- that's interesting you bring that up because I'm the guy here who's the the Web three. I've been in crypto since you know 2017 and just kind of right. like learning still about holding? it. And, yeah, still holding. Yeah, I'm good, a diamond, good, good. diamond hands man. Mm-hmm. Made diamonds. That's it. Uh, I, I haven't looked back in. Uh, I haven't looked at my wallets in two. Don't three do years. it. Just don't just do it. Just because every time I do, I take money out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I'm always talking to Zach, and you know, yeah. Soapbox is both a network and a publishing platform. And we've mm. talked about ideas of like how can we integrate, revolutionize, you know, the way somebody owns their their content. Um, I definitely love to talk mm. to you offline about your, yeah. your NFT generator, what you got going on there, because that's interesting stuff. But um, we we also have kind of a publishing platform within our system that mm. we're developing for content creation because we noticed that like the future, like right now, we're generate like social assets and stuff like that for companies, right? But mm-hmm. the future is that they're gonna do more kind of like premium content stuff, whether it be through like, um, like kind of like the Netflix Hulu subscription model, yeah. right? Or even yeah. like newspaper model. Um, mm-hmm. All these people, even Linda, um, Christo even kind of has like his knowledge base, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're developing that. Uh, obviously, we're using AI to generate like the summaries of the page and the SEO and taking all of all that, all this stuff. So you just worry about the content. But we are playing around with this idea of like, does every published piece of content get gets its own? Like, do we put that on Web3? And how do we do that and different things like that so we're we're playing around with that we're we're currently talking to uh origin i don't know if okay. you guys are from the, with those the, guys the gaming uh are they related no, to uh, so, no no there's like a blockchain asset management okay uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, company yeah yeah interesting stuff man all right we're, okay we're, we're considering partnering we, with them. we could we could go a long time here talking about this <laughs> yeah 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 we could go deep into our yeah. web3 world for we'll sure talk, talk more offline and maybe do a part uh part two futurist themed uh pod here of kind of casting a vision towards the future but let's get into our last section here we're over but this conversation has been yeah let's fantastic. keep it going yeah i love it I, I got time i got time perfect perfect well the last bit of the segment we're seeing how this plays uh is more of a rapid fire and yeah i'm a movie buff so one of my favorite shows growing up and i you know i've done acting and all that all that jazz but uh one of my favorite shows oh, you're today, an actor i didn't know that i don't do it I, i'm not active as an actor i just yeah. have in, in the past in the past cool, but cool. uh yeah. one of my favorite shows growing up was inside the actor studio yes so, yes um, there as an homage to james lipton who was the interviewer of each one of those episodes he yeah. would end each show with you know talking to the actor to give him a 10 question rapid fire uh cool. little quiz so I've, I've taken his questions and then i've kind of made some of them more my own for the purposes of this podcast so yeah. you're on the you're on the hot seat here we go show cool, cool, cool. you're gonna ask me my favorite curse word <laughs> you know what i'm gonna add that in as like 11. <laughs> if you feel i left it off because i don't know if everyone is comfortable with cursing so i was no, like I, you know, I, I, sorry sorry mom uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what well, well, i don't know at the end what well, last one okay uh, what's your favorite word breathe breathe your least favorite word ah that's it's a tricky one can't i like that what gets you going 
inspires, motivates. Uh, seeing people I love do amazing things. What puts you off? A fear of the unknown. What sound or noise do you love? A silence. What sound or noise do you hate? Frustration. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Artist. Just pure artist. Painter. What profession would you not like to do? Politics. What is a bit of advice or wisdom you wish you knew before starting your own company? Fall in love with failing every day. What do you want your obituary to say about you? What a beautiful performance art or <laughs> performance. I love it. I love it. And what's your favorite curse word? <laughs> <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's up mine too. <laughs> gotta be. Oh, yeah, gotta be. It's, it's... Thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you for your time show. Yeah. Thank you, Mario and Zach. It was, it was, a, it was an absolute pleasure. Yeah. It was fantastic meeting you guys. I'm looking forward to the next one. It's yeah, awesome having well, you definitely. Here. We definitely love to have you again in the future. You are always holding the spot as our official guest. So I think, you know, what we should do, we should mint out episodes, like little badges of who is the guest. And the first one will always be show. I don't know how many episodes, love it. but Let's we'll do it. Do it. Love no, it. Love it. We got to get <laughs> you a in. plaque, but we'll put it on the blockchain. So it's forever. Yeah. Uh, all right. The floor is yours. Take a moment now, plug anything of yours, your, any content you're putting out, your social channels. We'll put it all in the show notes and um your website just anything that you want people oh, to know about to keep up to date with you yeah yeah so um of course you can please check out show.ai you know we are brand ai enabled brand creation and management platform but we really help you innovate as a company if you're interested in what we're talking about how you can utilize ai for branding and different things like that i highly suggest you kind of follow us on linkedin um you can also check out uh, our our kind of new podcast called the the science of brand systems. Hopefully I'll have Mario and Zach on there soon on YouTube awesome. and Spotify. So, uh, and thank you so much, everyone. Feel free to uh, reach out to me at any time. My email is very simple, show at show.ai. And I'd be happy to hear from you. Perfect. Thank you so much, yeah. show. I'm going to reach out offline. I want to know more about this uh, NFT stuff you got going on. Let's do it's it. exciting. And look yeah. into Upstream uh, if you get a chance. Upstream, uh, I, okay. actually, I actually know the founder or one of the founders of Upstream. They're trying to be like the the Web three LinkedIn, and they're Ooh. creating DAOs um, on there for different like different organizations. Yeah. So interesting stuff. That's just a little Love. thing yeah. off the thing. Thank you so much, Joe, for being here. Yeah. I can't wait to launch this. We're actually gonna it'll be coming soon. So we'll keep talking about awesome. that offline. Awesome, awesome. Absolutely. Congratulations on the first podcast, guys. Thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> thank, thank you all for tuning in. Zach, I don't know if you have any of uh, an outro ready, but do you want to plug any way for people to 
get a hold of us at the end here? I do not, but we do have a website. You can visit the website at soapbox.house. There is a bunch of other podcasts on the network there. Um, and you'll, you'll find links to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, mostly anywhere that you do find podcasts. We do have some uh, social media accounts, so we will link out to that in the description below. Perfect. Thank you all for listening. Show, once again, thank you. This is episode you. one of the Soapbox Business Show. Get to work.